let's pray for Q, and he's going to preach tonight. Father, thank you for this amazing man that you've given to us to preach. Thank you for the word that you've laid on his heart. I pray, Lord, that he will give it the way you've given it to him, that we will understand what he says, that you will anoint him, and as the words flow through his mouth, that we will take it to heart. I pray that you will calm him down in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're well. I wonder if you know someone who worries a lot. You know, someone who's very stressed. They maybe they like uh, shake a little bit when, they, when, they, when they're thinking about things. You know those people that when they, when they walk into the room, you start getting stressed and you're not, you're not sure why. Uh, just very worrisome people. Maybe you're, you worry a lot. Um, there was a businessman. He was a very successful businessman and his name was Worrisome Wally. Well, that's what his friends nicknamed him because he used to worry a lot and he was very good at business, but he would spend hours and hours worrying. He would often get home late and then he would stay up until three in the morning, busy worrying about whether he's going to get clients, worrying about whether he's going to make ends meet. And so this often translated into the next morning where he would come to work and he wouldn't be such a nice man because he'd been worrying the whole night. He'd be a little bit snappy. He wouldn't really listen to you because he'd be in his head. And so Worrisome Wally had a bit of a reputation, but he was the boss. Luckily, his best friend worked with him. It was his business partner, and he knew him very well and could try and calm him down every now and then. But there was a particular day where Worrisome Wally came to work, and he had a little bit of a you know, skip in his step, and he was humming a joyful tune, and it was very unusual. One of the secretaries who normally avoided him, she kind of got up from her desk and he says, what's wrong with worrisome worry? He's not worrying. Woeful Wally, he's not worrying anymore. And uh, he went into his office and she kind of stood back and then she decided to go call his business partner and friend to go and check up on him because this was not the normal worrisome Wally that she knew. And so his friend stepped into his office and he said, you know, Wally, you look relaxed today. You're not stressed and worrisome Wally said, yes, I've been to the doctor, and I've realized all this worrying is not good for my health. And so I've decided to stop worrying. And so his friends said, okay, this is, this is a great decision. You know, how did you do this? He said, well, I, yesterday I went to the employment office, and I've employed someone to worry for me. <laughs> and so from now on, he is going to worry about the business so that I don't have to. And as you can imagine, his business partner went, okay, that sounds quite expensive. You know, how much are you paying this guy? So Worrisome Wally said, 10,000 rand a week. That's the price to worry for me. And so his business, his business partner obviously was now deeply concerned. And he said, um, you know, Worrisome Wally, how on earth are you going to afford that? And Worrisome Wally said, I'll let him worry about that. Okay. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could afford to pay someone to pay to worry for us? But most of us, unfortunately, can't. And no matter how much we want, the pressures and the realities of our lives, they won't go away. The reasons why we worry just keep on coming. And we think that when one worry is gone, uh, just around the corner, there's another worry just waiting for us. And we really do live in a world of worries. And tonight... I believe the Lord's uh, heart for us as a community is to really set us free from these worries that are plaguing us. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But really, 
underneath that is this heart of the Father coming through, which says that He cares for you. Because as you'll see, there is a direct link between how much we worry and how much we trust God. And so tonight, as you hear continuously the Father's heart coming through and His love for you, that He cares about you. You see, we often worry because we live in a world that tempts us to believe that God doesn't care. It tempts us to believe that God is far and that He is not near and that we are alone. And this leads us to more and more worries. And I believe the Lord wants to come in tonight and He wants to remind you of His care. He wants to show you that He is near, that He is not far. And ultimately, He wants to set you free from the worries that are plaguing you. Now, I have a confession. I worry uh, a lot. And so this is something that is close to my heart. And uh, it feels like we are in just a world of worry. I, one of the things I know that particularly gets me is our economy. I worry about the South African, South African economy quite a lot. Some days I wake up and I look at the dollar and the rand exchange rate and I'm really happy. And then by the afternoon, I'm not so happy anymore. And this begins to plague me and it begins to go over and over again in my head. I remember spending uh, almost a week where I couldn't sleep because I was so worried about the economy. There was nothing I could do about it. I wonder what you worry about. Perhaps also personal finances. That can be a big worry for many people. You worry about whether you'll be able to pay rent at the end of the month. Perhaps you worry if uh, you're going to actually get a paycheck. You know, if you're in business, you know, whether you're going to get clients or if you're in sales, whether you're going to make sales. Maybe you worry about whether you're going to make enough money to send home to your family if you need to support your family. And you worry that maybe they're not going to be okay if you just don't work hard enough. And so you lie awake at night worrying. Maybe you worry about relationships, about being a good father or a mother, a good husband or wife. For the parents here, I'm sure you worry about your kids all the time. And uh, maybe you worry about who you're going to marry one day. As you ever, you ever lay awake at night wondering. And then when you get to that point, you worry about whether you're going to marry the right person. And then afterwards, you worry about whether you did marry the right person. <laughs> worries, worries, worries. <laughs> we worry about our future. Are we studying the right thing? We worry about studies whether we're going to pass the exam, whether we're going to make it to the exam. We worry about whether we actually understand what we're studying. We worry about whether we're wasting our time in the job that we're in, in what we're studying, whether we'll have a job one day. We worry about situations, situations in the past and situations that are about to happen. If you're a particularly worrisome person, you'll be stressed out in the evening because you didn't go, the situation didn't go exactly as you planned, and then you begin to worry about the next time you're coming to this encounter. Worry is a big problem, and for some people, a big part of their day is taken up by worry. It's like this burden that is around their neck. And the Lord cares for us, and so He doesn't want us to sit with a burden that is not ours to carry. He wants us to be free so that we can pursue what He has for us, so that we can enjoy Him and enjoy His relationships. But you know, it feels like sometimes that there is no way around it. There's no way around worry. There's no way to really stop worrying. The good thing is that the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about worry. And the nice thing about the Bible is it doesn't ever shy away from difficult topics. It deals with reality. 
You might want to open the Bible and say that, you know, God will just take all your cares and concerns away. But it doesn't say that. More often it talks about God taking you through the valley of the shadow of death rather than removing you from it. And the Bible, when it addresses these worries, there's a distinction. And tonight we're going to just use two different words to try and draw the distinction which the Bible makes. And that's this distinction between worry and concern. Now, worry in biblical thinking is an illegitimate thing. And concern is very legitimate. The Bible has a high view of responsibility. The idea of being a good father, a mother, of being very diligent at work, working unto the Lord, on dealing with your finances properly. It goes as far as to say that actually if you don't look after your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. This is a high view of responsibility. And so when God has given us responsibility, it's very important that we deal with it appropriately and properly. God has given us that responsibility, and so it is valid and legitimate to be concerned about our responsibilities. We should create a budget. We should spend wisely. We should spend time with our families. We should work hard at work. These are legitimate concerns, and as we all know, if we don't do them, there are sometimes devastating consequences, isn't it? But sometimes the way the world tries to deal with concern and worry, it doesn't do the distinction so well. And so the temptation, as these pressures are going on, our responsibilities pile up. One of the ways the world says we should deal with our responsibilities and ultimately our worries is just to let go. Who here has seen The Lion King? Okay, we're in the right audience. We, you know, Dave spoke a few weeks ago and he said to the youth, who's seen The Lion King? And almost no one had seen The Lion King. So it's becoming an older movie. So we're on the borderline on the realm of relevance. You know, next, next year we can't use the Lion King maybe, you know. So <laughs> it's the last generation that knows the Lion King, sadly. <laughs> Lion King has a lot of good lessons, but uh, one of the particularly bad lessons is the Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. Okay. Yeah, I can hear it, yeah. <laughs> The sinful singers over here. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what's happening is, the, you know, one of the heroes of the story, Simba, is um, faced with the weight of responsibility. He needs to go back and be king. But uh, Timon and Pumba, his uh, two friends, they go, no, look, this is too much. Hakuna Matata. No worries. But what they're actually saying is no responsibility. The way you deal with your responsibility is just to shirk it, to not care. In uh, church history, there was actually one of the deadly sins at one point was called acedia, which was the sin of not caring. We can't not care because God cares. He cares deeply about us, and He cares deeply about you. And so Hakuna Matata, although it sounds good and it's very tempting, is not God's way to deal with responsibility and worry. We can't just run away. If we don't care... It might remove the worry for a bit, but eventually there will be a consequence. So we have the legitimate concern, but then we have the illegitimate worry. And what happens with worry? It's when our legitimate concerns become an obsession. So the one picture, one of the ways to try and understand this is we've got the areas that are in our control and the areas that are out of our control. 
If we can control something, there might be a level of responsibility. We should be concerned about it. But many, many things in life we cannot control. And so when we begin to become overly concerned about something we can't control, this translates into worry. And because worry and our trust in God is so connected, this is critical to living a good, effective Christian life. One of the traps of the enemy is to tempt us into worry. And how he does it is he lies to us. He says, God doesn't care. God isn't near. God doesn't really want to be involved in the details of your life. And so you can imagine if you live in, in a good place of trust, you've got the top realm, which is the realm of concern. That's your responsibility. And you can imagine there's this big trust fence. This is the safe area where you can go. But if trust between you and God begins to erode, you begin to look over the fence. And over time, that fence maybe falls down or you begin to dance on the fence. And eventually, you move into this realm of worry, which is actually God's realm, God's responsibility, everything out of your um, area of control. And so why this is so tricky for many Christians is because it takes, like many sins, it takes something that's legitimate, which is concern, and Satan tempts you into an illegitimate place, a place that isn't you, isn't for you. It's a place that has been reserved for God. This is the realm of worry. And tonight, why it's so important to hear God's heart for you and His care for you is because one of the ways out of worry is to reaffirm again the, the truth that God cares. When you don't know that God cares, when He feels far, then it feels like you need to take your life into your own hand and you begin to worry. And Satan loves this. Often he comes and he says, if you worry enough, you will fix it. It's one of the lies that worrying will somehow fix our problems. But remember, worry is the areas outside of our control. So no matter how much you worry about something, if it's outside of your control, you cannot change it. And so it's a great trap that Satan wants us to be in. And so the Bible has this clear thinking. And when it talks about not worrying, it's clear. It's not saying hakuna matara. It's saying, let God's area be his area, and yet your area, let your area be your area. It's ultimately a call to trust God. And so, if I think of other communities like ours, you know, I've often thought that living in the 21st century is maybe just far more stressful than if we lived perhaps 100 years ago. And there's some validity to that with cell phones and work, you know, calling you at any time. But then the other areas of our life that have really improved. And so we've got these real concerns in our life, these real pressures that unfortunately are not going to go away. You see, Jesus has been, has been here for 2,000 years, and he didn't seem to take away the concerns of the church. You might uh, go to a place where people may be meaning well or not meaning well, but they might tell you something along this line that if you start following Jesus all your problems are going to go away. I wonder if you perhaps believed that when you became a Christian. But it doesn't take long to realize that you can be in a good, healthy relationship with God, be doing everything right, and your problems just stay. Because <laughs> God doesn't take our problems away. He doesn't take our pressures away. He helps us through it, and that's, that's quite important. 
And so we have these real pressures around relationships, around finances, around our futures and the situations we face. But we're, we are not alone. We're not the first people to go through that. The first people that Jesus spoke to had very similar struggles. But one could argue that theirs was almost amplified, that the pressure in particular areas was even more. May I mention a few? Perhaps the economy. I worry about the South African economy, but if you were under um, Jesus' teaching when he, began, when he taught on earth, you were living under Caesar. And so the economy wasn't a concern because there really was nothing you could do about it. Okay. When Jesus said, give us today our daily bread, for, for, for most of us here, I'm sure, we haven't had many days where we've been worried about whether we will have bread tomorrow or food tomorrow. But for, for the early church, that was a reality. There wasn't a certainty that tomorrow I'll be able to find bread for many of the first people that Jesus preached to. And so finances was a real pressure. And for many of them, they were in survival mode, living from day to day. Job security was very different. If you had a family business or you had some, some help that was good, maybe you had a wealthy relative. But in general, if you lost your job, it was devastating. There was no government help unless you were a Roman. Okay. The future was also uncertain. Wars were continuously going on. There was some stability because the Romans were around. But they were living under a, an oppressive dictator. And so your life was not your own. You know, I, I sometimes worry when my wife drives out in the car and, you know, that sinking feeling, you go, oh, I hope nothing happens. So you say a prayer, you hope, you know, there's not an accident. And that's, that's difficult, isn't it? But, I mean, in the first century, the fear of death was a lot more legitimate. It was a much more dangerous time. It was much less safe. And so there were probably many people in Jesus' original audience Probably most of them had experienced the death of a loved one. But there was also probably a very real fear for life. And so you can just imagine as they were sitting there, the, the pressure of life coming in. Do you think that they were a worried people? If we think we live in a world of worry, the early church, Jesus' original audience, man, they lived in a world of worry. They had every reason to worry. Yet, in Matthew chapter 6, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these words to them. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. If you can try and get in the mind of the people hearing this, the first time I tried to study the scripture, I must confess, it felt like Jesus was being a little bit idealistic. All these concerns, and Jesus says, don't worry. <laughs> a little bit. I first thought he was kind of saying, hakuna matata. But as I studied the scriptures, I studied what would have been more Jesus' understanding when he was saying, don't worry. You see, Jesus was interesting. In, in John 3, you'll actually read about sometimes how he had this prophetic insight. There was people that wanted to see Jesus, and it says Jesus didn't um, give himself to them because he knew their hearts. He knew what was going on in, his, in their hearts, so he kept himself from them at that stage. 
I'm not sure what it was for Jesus. You know, he was fully God, fully man. So I don't know if he knew every situation, every single time. But there's clear times we had insight. And probably more than anything, anyone on the world, when Jesus looked at someone, he knew their situation fully. He understood their pressures. He experienced the pressures himself. And I, if, I, if you were to ask me, can you live a life free of worry? I would say no. The only problem is Jesus disagrees. Jesus seems to think in all his humanity, in all his reality, that we can live a life full of worry. Jesus was not a cold, uncaring God who was removed from the people as he said these words. He wasn't sitting on his throne and said, these are stupid human concerns that you have. And so when he said, do not worry, it was just a, uh, this problem is above me. Jesus, more than anyone, saw every single person's situation. He understood it fully, understood the pressure more than they understood it themselves. Yet something of his heart comes. You must, you must hear the solution that Jesus has for them. When he says, do not worry, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap. The Father provides for them. They do not sow or reap. You know, the birds, you know, they still have to fly and go and fetch the food. They still have to work. Yet there's a trust that God will provide. So Jesus is not saying, just stop working. Just shirk your responsibility. He's clearly talking about this biblical idea of, of trusting God. And so here's Jesus. Here's God. And he points to the birds. And he looks at the girl who had probably not eaten that day, maybe for a couple of days. And he looks at the, the brother who'd maybe seen his sister being burned alive by the Romans. And he looks at the widow who'd probably just lost her husband. And he says, are you not much more valuable than they? Do you hear Jesus' care as he says this? Jesus is not cold and uncaring. He is exactly the opposite. He cares deeply. He understands every single situation. And in that place, he says, do not worry. Because if your father who cares for the birds does such a good job, are you not much more valuable than they? This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. He's pointing at the birds and saying, if they are okay, you're going to be okay. Because if the father cares about them, he cares about you far more. Jesus' answer to the problem of worry is that God cares. For some reason, Jesus thought that in these people, in their situation, the thing that they needed to hear, and remember that Jesus had the power to remove the pressure. He could have snapped his fingers and Caesar would have fallen. He could have removed world hunger in a moment. Yet he understood something that we struggle to grasp every single day, and that is that God cares. The enemy is lying to us. He says that God doesn't care, that God is far, and that is why we worry. Jesus' solution is that God cares. Many years later, Paul, who received ministry from Jesus and had walked with him many years, he probably was the one person alive in his time that understood God's care more than anyone else. This was Paul, who outwardly, his circumstances, he was writing from prison. This was bruised, broken, persecuted Paul. Yet he had a revelation 
of God's care. He knew that God loved him. When Paul talked about Jesus, it was a talk of intimacy. It was a talk of nearness. This was Paul that had far more reason to worry than any of us here. Yet Paul also says in Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's answer, from the context of knowing that God cares for you, knowing that you can trust Him, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry. But to take your situations, the ones that you cannot control, and give them to God in prayer. Paul was a very practical man. Paul understood that you need to change what you can control. But Philippians 4 says you need to give the rest to God. And so tonight, it's important that as that distinction comes, that the Holy Spirit would help you separate, that there are maybe some people here tonight that really, really need to change something that they can control. Maybe you're struggling with your finances and you really do actually need to go set up a budget and you need to change the way that you spend. And it's quite important. But at what point are you going to stop worrying? At what point are you going to obey the words of Jesus that says, do not worry? At what point do you do the budget and then give the future to God? Because there is no certainty. We live in a world of uncertainty and we will constantly be tempted by worry, to become consumed and to become paralyzed by worry. At what point do you stop worrying about your children? You will always find a reason to worry about your children. At what point do you stop worrying about your job? It's quite important that we respond to the Lord in the appropriate way, that we go, Lord, if there's something I can change, I'd like to change it. But Tonight, everything else I want to present to you. I want to obey you and I want to stop worrying. I have a picture. This is a a picture of people walking around with this heavy burden, this heavy yoke. And it feels like this yoke was given to them and they just took it without thinking. That this, it's almost like you took the world of, the, the weight of the world onto your shoulders. It was this weight that you were never meant to carry. And I feel the Lord is saying to you, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are Jesus' words to you tonight. He says he wants you to come. He wants you to take off this yoke that was never designed for you. It was a yoke that was put on you, or perhaps you put it on yourself. It is a worry that will paralyze you and cripple you for the rest of your life. And tonight, the Lord says, come to me. And I have a yoke for you that is easy. I have a burden for you that is light. My heart is so moved by God's care for us that that He actually cares about some of the situations in our life. I've got some silly situations and some big situations, but God cares about every single one of them. 
that He would speak these words to us. That He would actually, you know, this is good news. Some things are difficult to hear, but this is a good thing to hear. Do not worry. You mean we can actually stop worrying? And the answer is yes, you can if you know that God is near. And so I believe tonight is a night of breakthrough for some, that as you take a step of faith and you respond to the Lord, that there will be a new nearness to Him. Because Jesus spoke these words in incredible, unconditional love to us. And He wants to take our worries. For some people, if you, if you see the picture of the, the trust fence, the Lord wants to restore trust in your life, the belief that is near. You know, maybe you're disappointed. It feels like God didn't come through in a situation. I, I just have a feeling you prayed for someone. I feel like there's someone that you prayed for someone and they didn't get healed and you just went, I'm, you know, it, you felt like God is distant. So you become just, you know, I'm going to come to church, but, you know, this whole God here with us, it just doesn't work. I feel like you need to give that back to God. And so we're going to do a, a, a prophetic action. We're going to, firstly, we're going to pray. And if you feel like the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about a worry, and now there's, there's a differentiation, you realize the difference between concern and worry, but you want to give a worry over to the Lord, there are papers around. There's some pens as well. And we had just thought to do a prophetic action tonight. If you want to wor- write that worry on that paper, and you can already start doing that now, or you can write a couple of worries. Maybe you are a worrisome wally and you need more than one paper. You can come get some more papers here in the front. Don't worry. <laughs> we won't judge you. Okay. <laughs> so we're just going to take, we've got just a few more minutes. And we're just going to enter into a time of ministry. And I'm going to pray in a moment. But ready, if you've got worries and you want to write them down. But I feel this is the night for the big things. Sure, we've got little worries. Paul says, take them to the Lord. But I feel like there's maybe one or two things that the Lord really wants to give you breakthrough in. And to write it down on that paper. And then after we've prayed, we're just going to worship for a bit. And then just to come to the front and to crumple that paper up and to just throw it here in the front. You can throw it at me if you want. I'll probably sit down. You can just crumple it and throw it. We had a prophetic word come through tonight that the Lord was going to take and crumple these things in our lives like paper. So to come and as you do it, to to just crumple it up and to let it go, and I believe there's going to be some breakthrough. So you can already start writing, but if you want to quickly bow your head, I'm going to pray, and then you can start writing and start crumpling. And as an act of faith to say, Lord, I'm done with worry and I want to obey you. I want to remove worry from my life so that I can live full and free. Lord, for everyone who you have spoken to about a particular worry, you know every single situation. You understand the pressures, the real difficulties that we face. But Lord, I know that you want to remove the burden that many are carrying. And so I pray that as we act in obedience tonight, we write those burdens down, that we will have breakthrough as we give them to you. As we throw them back to you, Lord, we go, this is not our worry anymore. It's your worry. We give that to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.